Again, the 2-2. Fastball hit high and deep to left field. And the Blue Jays win it. One of the most dramatic comebacks we have ever seen here at Rogers Center. Marcus Simeon with a three-run home run beats his former team. What a ball game. Hey, what's going on? It's At The Letters, presented by Miller Lite, the original light beer. Today is Thursday, September 9th, 2021. My name is Arden Zwelling. He is Ben Nicholson-Smith. Our producers this week are Andrew Norton and Drew Livingstone. Thanks, as always, for their hard work. And thank you, as always, for listening. And thank you, Ben, for uh, taking a moment here to explain to me what the hell is happening with the Toronto Blue Jays, who have won seven straight, 10 of 11 playoff odds are up, down, back up again. What the hell's going on, man? It's been a, an incredible week, an incredible week. I don't think they've lost since we last recorded a podcast. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's true. I mean, they, they're undefeated in the month of September. They're playing amazing. I mean, it, even for people who you know were late to our last episode it must have been a weird experience because you know <laughs> we're talking about this team like you know we'll see they got to play it out they still got a shot so you you still got to see what can happen because you never know meanwhile they're winning all these games they are neck and neck now with the yankees and red Sox. like it almost gets to the point that you stop so much looking at the playoff odds and it's more just like who are the yankees playing who are the red Sox playing because they're within a game and a half, two games of these teams right now. It's really becoming super interesting one way or another. They might lose. They might win. We don't know, obviously. But it's going to be a really interesting finish. Well, and simultaneously, while the Blue Jays have been on this insane tear, the Yankees in free fall, 2-8 and eight in their last 10. The Red Sox just kind of treading water, 500 in their last 10. Even the Rays, like 6-4 and four in their last 10. Nobody is playing well around the Blue Jays, the Mariners, Oakland, like none of these teams that they are competing with have been streaking as well. So while the Blue Jays have been like on this crazy upward trajectory, the teams ahead of them have been on a little bit of a downward trajectory, which has just intensified the results of this stretch. Like the Blue Jays could have gone on this seven in a row, 10 of 11 stretch and not made up that much ground, but they have made up a lot of ground because the other teams aren't playing well. Like that is why the playoff odds are like swinging like crazy because what is happening is so incredibly improbable. Like it's improbable just that the Blue Jays would go on this streak, but it's also improbable that everyone else would suffer and struggle at the same time. It was the best combination. I mean, at various points in the course of, you know, the last week or 10 days, of course, you and I are asked on, on various platforms, you know, do they have a chance? What would it take? And the logical answer to those questions is, no. well, yeah, they have a small <laughs> chance. Like, it's not a yeah. good chance. And if they're going to do this, they have to go on a run. And lo and behold, here they are. They won 10 of 11. They're playing great baseball. I mean, they're still... I've said all along, like, I think they're a really good team. That doesn't make them a perfect team. They still have bullpen issues. None of that's gone away. They still have some challenging games ahead against the Yankees and the Rays. There's nothing guaranteed here, but they are a very good team. They're on, as we record this right now, they're on an 89-win pace. And they do have a pretty good schedule remaining with the Orioles, with the Twins. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, to see where this leads. You know, it's baseball. Like, 
crazy things happen. It's a small, small sample of games. So they could go over the next 24. It could be 10 and 14, and it might be a disappointing finish. But if they keep this up, it might be, you know, 15 and 9. They could find themselves with 90, 90 plus wins and be playing a wild card game. Yeah, 91 wins is the target because the Red Sox and Yankees still on pace for 91 wins. And uh, those are the two teams in the wild card spots above the Toronto Blue Jays who are a game and a half back with like four games in hand on the Red Sox and one on the Yankees. Blue Jays got to go 15 and nine, basically. Like what is, that's the target here yeah. to get to 91 wins. I think that's a sound target. It might not be enough, but it gives you a pretty good chance. I don't think 89 is going to get it done. 90 if like a lot of things break your way it's basically you got to go 15 and 9 but the thing is when really improbable stuff has been happening for 7 to 10 days the odds of that improbable stuff continuing to happen decrease by quite a bit so it's probably most likely that the blue jays are going to come back down to earth a little bit and the teams around them are going to start playing better which is going to make it harder to go 15 and 9 and to really make up the ground that the Blue Jays still need to make up. They've like confounded all season. Like they have defied logical explanations. So even like looking at it that way, right, is what what are we really going to learn? Like there's three weeks left. Crazy stuff is going to happen. It's like it's almost foolish to try to like look at this logically or like look at this from like what the team actually is and try to predict what's going to happen. But I guess I just... I'll ask you, how do you square this unstoppable juggernaut that we have seen for seven to 10 days that's just flattening everything in its path with the fact that in Wednesday night's game against New York Yankees, you've got Jake Lamb plating Gerard Dyson with a sacrifice fly for an add-on run. And you've got Trevor Richards and Adam Simber facing high leverage. Like, how do you square what we're seeing from a Blue Jays team that is clearly still extremely top-heavy versus its results? Man, I mean, those moments were were kind of telling, right? Like, Simber and Richards, they've bounced back. The Jays need this. They need some guys to step up. At the same time, they're not your traditional eighth inning setup leverage relievers. They're just, that's not who they've been in their careers. And yet they got the job done to their credit. And then you mentioned the Lamb and Dyson moment. And like, I can imagine that some, even some listeners of this podcast, like some diehard Blue Jays fans could tune into that game for a moment and be like, what? Jake Lamb brought home Gerard Dyson? <laughs> yeah. Like what's happening here? This team, like it's, it's kind of, uh, it, you know, I guess it's it's September baseball. You have those slightly expanded rosters, and we'll get to the third base situation a bit later. I mean, Jake Lamb, uh, you know, probably not the ideal candidate to, to be playing regularly for a contender, but here we are. And I think, like, how I square that to answer your question is, I think for people like us and people like our listeners who are so zoned in on the Blue Jays, we're going to see this team's flaws, and they're apparent. I mean, they have a third base issue. They have a center field issue. They have a Randall Gritchuk issue and a leverage relief issue. Those are obvious problems for this team. And if they don't get to where they want to go, we can probably point to some of those things. And yet, I think if you're looking at this team from a slightly zoomed out lens, then you're more likely to see the strengths and the fact that this rotation's been incredible all year and, and certainly in the second half. The fact that Jordan Romano has been great in leverage relief for them. And, you know, Vlad Jr. might win the Triple Crown this year. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, this is not something that people are talking about. 
but he's two homers and four or five RBI away from legitimately winning the Triple Crown at age 22. So they've got a lot of great things going for them as well. Yeah, they got a rotation that is like absolutely stacked and solid. And like we can say like that's not a fluke. That's not just, you know, a group that is performing well lately. Like this is a very good rotation. As you said, you got guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Marcus Simeon having like MVP caliber seasons. Bo Bichette and uh, Teoscar Hernandez are great like complementary players to that core. But it is top heavy, right? And everything we said last week is still true. Like the depth of this team is not quality. And the bullpen, honestly, as a whole, is not quality. We'll see what Nate Pearson and Julian Merriweather can be. Maybe those guys can step in and solve some of those leverage relief issues that you were mentioning. But really, like after Jordan Romano, there is a steep drop-off in this bullpen. It's a team that's still rough defensively, right? And those things could pop up in some of these leverage games and some of these tight spots that the Blue Jays are going to be in. Some of that stuff would pop up, I would bet, in a, like, final weekend series where you really need to win games to get into the wild card game or in a wild card game that's the type of stuff that could come up and really sabotage your chances i guess there there is just like that thing in the back of my head of are the blue jays just playing good enough right now to make their postseason miss maximum torturous for fans <laughs> <It's> <laughs> to possible. make it just right to make it just that much more painful but as a fan and as an observer like hey man this is it like this this is why like we go through this insane maddening like slog that is a baseball season is for these like three weeks and you can even expand it to like you know to four to september like this is it this is the best part of a baseball season when you've been following a team all year like you've gotten through it all like it's it's an insane exercise a baseball season that we've gone through 135 games and gone to a point over that large of a sample where we're like uh the blue jays are actually only i don't know a game or two worse than the yankees and red Sox. maybe (laughs) like all these teams have gone through all that just to get to a point where they're only separated by a game or two it's nuts but this is it man like living in this moment scoreboard watching enjoying these games like seeing your team get hot taking three of three so far we'll see what happens on thursday night in the bronx from the yankees from a team that you're looking up at like this is it man like this is what you live for as a blue jays fan as a baseball fan like these are the moments they're pretty rare they don't come around all that often so it's time to live in this moment right now yeah it's really fun to watch baseball this time of year i totally agree it is the best time of year it's a ton of fun i mean you know you compare it to moments early in the season where let's say it was april the 4th and they got tanner roark coming out of the game and tommy malone coming in it's like yeah that wasn't quite as interesting as what we're seeing right now this is this is a lot more interesting the stakes are really high it's so interesting and i mean the remarkable thing about this is i mean let's say they succeed let's say they go 15 and 9 and they win 91 games and they're in the playoffs like what an amazing finish well then you have a wild card game against (laughs) you know either the yankees or the red sox in all likelihood and your prize for that is going to be facing the tampa bay rays in a five-game series so i mean it's such a challenge the goal of course for the blue jays they've said all along is to win the world series so they are not even close to getting there but you know as alec manoa said after his start on wednesday no one can win anything no one wins any championships in september it's just a matter of trying to put yourself in the best position that you can they are running into some clubs at exactly the right time 
aren't they? Like if you kind of track this thing back and you look at it, this started with two or three against Detroit and two or three against Baltimore, which is that's what you should do against those teams, really. And then the Blue Jays run into Oakland last weekend with a bullpen that is just Oakland's bullpen, like full-on Chernobyl. (laughs) You think about that Friday game, Ben, you and I were on the desk for, um, like the Blue Jays had no business winning that game at all like that's you want to talk about how improbable this streak is that's one of the most improbable wins you are ever going to see eight two in the eighth are you kidding me and they come back and win that game game two of that series then goes 10 eight for the blue jays the blue jays get six runs off of oakland's bullpen oakland gets five runs off of theirs and then game three was like a legit clean win for the blue jays like totally earned no craziness but still ran into Oakland's bullpen at exactly the right time. And now they've run into the Yankees at exactly the right time as they are in free fall. They didn't run into the Yankees when they were winning 13 in a row and like Stanton and Judge were going nuts. They ran into them at a time when the Yankees all of a sudden can't hit and they can't score. And they're in one of these like deep valleys they've had in this insane oscillating peaks and valleys season where Aaron Boone's like been fired five times, right? Like they've had a nuts season new york but the blue jays ran into them at the perfect time the blue the yankees walked 11 hitters on wednesday night are you kidding me yeah and the blue jays still like didn't really like blow them out in that game like the blue jays had how many off ramps to a loss in that game did the oh. blue jays pass and they just were like white knuckling it straight through um it was not the most comfortable win in a game where they probably should have beat the yankees by a lot more uh and hey look blue jays earned these wins they've made their odds that much better obviously like this helps but i think we do have to point out that the blue jays have run into some very favorable spots here they've had a lot of help from the other side whether or not that's going to continue we have no idea well they do get to face baltimore this weekend so that's probably a good baltimore's playing okay man like they're kind of a live dog right now dude they've won four or five they just took two or three off the yankees which like i know like the yankees aren't playing well and baltimore blew a lead in the other one too like they're playing okay right now well i think the jays will still be happy to go to camden yards and see what can happen over the course of those four games but it's hard not to remark and think you know you look over to the national league standings the Jays would be in first. Yeah. And that's to say nothing of the fact that they would have been playing weaker competition all year long. Like, this is a really good team. Again, not an excuse. They they might not make the playoffs this year. And so at that point, you're just a good team that's on the outside looking in, which gets you absolutely nowhere. But it's still pretty remarkable when you compare the AL East to some other divisions in baseball. And that has been like a thing as long as I've been alive, literally, of, oh, the Blue Jays are in the AL East. How are they going to like it's never been a point where there hasn't been a really competitive AL East, at least that I can remember. Yeah. And that's just kind of what the Blue Jays are signed up for. Right. Is that they're going to have to like beat some really good teams. They're going to have to deal with some teams that have a bunch more payroll than them. They're going to have to deal with a team in the Rays that seemingly drafts and develops and produces impact players a lot better than they have historically and they're gonna have some games against those rays coming up right that's the thing you're still gonna have what you got six more against the rays got four more against the yankees and then you got those baltimore games and you got a bunch against minnesota as well minnesota kind of a tough team to square right because there's talent on that team and that's a better team than their record indicates 
again, it's going to come down to how Minnesota's playing when the Blue Jays run into them. Because, like, look, this is as good as the Blue Jays have played and as much progress and ground as they've gained. It's not a fait accompli. Like, there's still, like, those playoff odds aren't over 50%. They still have a lot of work to do. Like I said, 15 and 9. This is it. This is what we've been waiting for. Baseball, like life, is just an interminable slog at the best of times. (laughs) And we have gotten here to the good part and to the good point. That's why, like, I don't want to hear anything about Robbie Ray's free agency, what a Marcus Simeon contract looks like. Dude, we have so much time this winter to get that sorted and to talk about that. For now, just enjoy these. Let's just enjoy these couple dozen games because this is it. This is what we've been waiting for. We finally got here. It's finally good. Let's let's just soak it in. Yeah, it's it's a lot more fun. The, the contrast between last week and this week, by, by virtue of going undefeated, the Jays, if they go, you know, two and five in the week to come, that's still a massive problem. They can still play themselves out of this thing in the course of a week. The difference now is if they go six and one in the next week, or if they even go five and two in the next week, they could find themselves in playoff position in the driver's seat with, at that point, it would be 17 games to go. And I mean, that's, that's great. I mean, they are, they are really positioning themselves well, still with a ton of work to do. But like we've been saying, it's getting really interesting here. Yeah, that's a good question. Like, what is the worst the Blue Jays could play over the next seven, right? So you said two and five. Like, to me, like, two and five, that's probably the end of the season, really, realistically. Like, could be. Could they go three and four over the next yeah. seven and still be okay, right? I think so. Probably okay. But they then that would really like put them in a tough spot for you know the yeah. the final uh, however many games after that right so you basically you got let's look at like the next five yeah so you got New York on Thursday night and then you got four in Baltimore right so if you go two and three you're probably okay yeah probably yeah. you should be going three and two four and one. Like that's what yes. you need. You need to keep this momentum rolling because then you got Tampa Bay and Minnesota after that. Exactly. I think three and two in those five games, you got a doubleheader mixed in. Bullpen's going to be stretched. I mean, if you go three and two, you're not thrilled, but you're okay with that. Two and three, you can survive. One and four would be tough. One and four, that's pretty bad. So even even right. facing the Orioles, I mean, this is where the Jays have to be continue to be aggressive with their bullpen for example use jordan romano back to back use tim Meza back to back if you need to use pearson for an inning and two-thirds because he's rolling that day i mean you can do those types of things it's win time you got to just chalk up those wins <laughs> it's win time and it has been win time for the blue jays over the last little stretch a step away and then when we come back we'll kind of get into some of the nitty-gritty of what's going on with the blue jays and, and their performances and then what might happen going forward all that and so much more when we continue on at the letters. It continues on at the letters, Arden Zwelling, Ben Nicholson, Smith, and it is time now for Keeping It Light, presented by Miller Light. Ben, this week, I want to talk about the Blue Jays' catching position because for the first time all year, the Blue Jays are getting some offensive production and a little bit of juice out of their catchers. Like many things, everything's going right for the Blue Jays right now. Things that haven't happened for them all season are happening right now, catchers included. Over the last 30 days, Alejandro Kirk has seen 73 plate appearances, hitting 292 
356 OBP, 536 Slug. Meanwhile, Danny Jansen has seen only 14 plate appearances, but has come through with a couple bombs, hitting 364, getting on base in half those 14 plate appearances. Reese McGuire, 38 plate appearances over that span. Very Reese McGuire line of 212 batting average, 289 OBP, 273 slug. Going forward, Blue Jays need to win. They need to be putting their best roster on the field, regardless of ego, regardless of who's banged up, playing time of what you told guys, whatever. It's win time. You got to win these games. Who is catching the majority of the games for you, Ben, down the stretch for the Toronto Blue Jays? To me, it's Kirk. He has hit the best and that matters a lot. I mean, if you're getting four plate appearances a game and hitting the way he has, you have the chance to make a big impact. And especially at a time, you know, George Springer probably going to be taking up a fair amount of DH at bats. So, you know, your chances to use Kirk alongside another catcher probably aren't going to be as frequent. So yeah, to me, I would go with Kirk most of the time. Danny Jansen obviously works really well with Ryu and Jansen has been hitting so well since he came back. So you want to mix him in. But, you know, I think it's telling that Reese McGuire in the month of September has only appeared in one game. And this is a guy who's probably caught, you know, the majority of games for this team in recent months. But clearly the Jays are agreeing with what I'm suggesting here and playing Kirk a ton because he's been getting a lot of reps and it's cost uh, Reese McGuire a lot of playing time. Yeah, so I would be putting Reese McGuire aside. You got a great hot streak from him at a time when you needed it, when you had guys banged up through like July and August. That was great. That was helpful. Thank you, Reese. But for now, I think that like Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen are the guys. So to me, it hinges on George Springer. Like how much is George Springer playing? George Springer ain't going to be in center field for the rest of the season. I feel pretty confident saying that. So when George Springer's in your lineup, he's got to be your designated hitter. That constricts what you can do with Kirk and Jansen. Because I agree with you. I want Alejandro Kirk's bat in the lineup every day the rest of the way. Five out of six at the very least. But I don't necessarily want him behind the plate every day. I want Danny Jansen behind the plate more than Alejandro Kirk. So it depends on how much George Springer is playing. If George Springer is playing every day... Well, then, yeah, you basically just kind of have to stomach a little bit of the defensive deficiencies you're going to see from Alejandro Kirk. He's not a finished product defensively. I think Danny Jansen is a much better defensive catcher than he is right now. Defense still matters. Like, obviously, the Blue Jays need to hit. And part of the reason why, actually, like, they have been on this tear is that their bats finally came around at a time when their pitching has just been stable and their starting pitching has been really solid over the second half of the season. They've finally been getting some offense from especially, like, that ball bottom part of the order where you got guys like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Alejandro Kirk going off and Danny Jansen with a couple bombs as I said so if Springer is kind of like a you know two out of three type of guy then I am finding those opportunities to have Kirk in as my DH and Jansen in as, as my catcher hit ninth as often as I can. And credit to Blue Jays starters who have just been like solid regardless of who's catching them, right? Like they've been dealing with a ton of different catchers that they remember Riley Adams, right? Like they've had a bunch of different guys behind the plate throughout the season. And it's been constantly kind of like changing as guys have gotten hurt and other guys coming back and some guys playing time has gone down. Like Danny Jansen was 
essentially on like a phantom demotion for a while there and blue jay starters has just been consistent no matter who's catching them right like robbie ray front runner for the cy young like alec manoa is super solid in his first mlb season like jose brio's coming to a new team working with guys he hasn't known before had a little blip but has been like more like the jose brio's that we have all gotten to know of late like blue jay starters are just no matter what no matter who's behind the plate have found ways to be effective and to be really good like that is the backbone of this team is the starting rotation like that is the foundation and the core is the only reason why the blue jays are competitive in this playoff race right now is that their starting pitching from hunjin ryu robbie ray on down has been just solid there have been very few like blow up outings where it is like hey our starter isn't getting out of the second tonight it's it's happened once or twice this season but more often than not the blue jays have gotten consistent innings volume at a very good era from their starters and it is by far the strength of this team which is saying something on a club that has like a really really good offense Right. I mean, they've been good all year. And yet you look at the second half in particular, I got some of the numbers right here in the second half, three two eight rotation ERA. I mean, think about if you had one starter with a three two eight ERA, you'd say that guy's pretty good. Then you multiply that times five. That's your rotation. Like that's that's great production. They've also had the most innings in the American League in the second half and the most war. So it's not just that they're going out there for these little five and dive starts that tax the bullpen. They're going out there and logging innings and then posting a 328 ERA. So it's been incredible. They've got an opening this weekend against the Orioles. I'm kind of presuming that Ross Stripling plays a role in that game uh, to some extent, but they're going to need these guys. They have a lot of games and not a lot of off days. So it's not like you even consider going down to a four man. But they've been great. It's Like you said, it's been a, a real uh, strength of this team, and they've needed it. Your number five is Steven Matz, and Steven Matz led MLB in ERA in August. Yeah. And he has <laughs> just continued to be really solid through September. Like He's a guy who clearly has really good feel for his pitches right now, is locating them where he needs to be. Fastballs are up, and they're in to righties. The changeup is playing well down the zone. His most recent outing, he's flipping in some really nice curveballs which is something he hasn't really had throughout the season. Like he's been mostly like fastball changeup throughout the year and it's been fine for him. But if he starts getting that curveball going, like look out because that just changes the complexion of everything that he's doing as a hitter. You got to think about another pitch. If he's landing that curveball for strikes, I mean, that is so, so huge for him as a guy who relies on, you know, location and changing speeds. That's your number five. And like, Ross Stripling was really good before he went down to injury as well. So that's your 5B, I guess, or your 6. Like, that's pretty good. You know, the depth beyond that gets pretty spotty. Like, Anthony Kay has not been great this year. Thomas Hatch hasn't been great in very brief MLB appearances. But it's okay because he only got 24 games left. You don't really need that depth anymore. Like, you're good unless absolute disaster strikes. You're good the rest of the way and then if you get to the postseason you're tightening your rotation up anyway so like what you've gotten from like that kind of five spot with guys like mats and stripling has been huge 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 particularly when you've got the high upside of a ray and a ryu and a brios absolutely it's been one of the best rotations that i can remember watching i mean i think it was 16 they had seven starters that basically got them through the whole season including some great performances from 
guys like Marco Estrada and Jay Happ at the time. But I mean, this is comparable. They're getting similar production from a similar group of, of really talented starters. And if they end up making it to the postseason and through that wildcard game, they're going to be really well set up to make their way through a division series. And uh, health, too, by the way. The fact that Robbie Ray has held up all year and like came through the, uh, a period where his velo was down and his spin was down. It was starting to be kind of like, oh, what's going on here? He's just come through it like Robbie Ray is ridiculous his durability is insane Robbie Ray pitches like a reliever max effort two pitches yeah but he does it for seven innings it's a good way to put it that's crazy when he's throwing his bullpens which like by the way this is a guy who's gone every five days all season has had a chance to take an extra day hasn't taken it has wanted to stay on his routine has continued throwing his bullpens in between outings Hunjin Ryu I don't know that he's thrown a bullpen all year. The guy doesn't do it just so he can like prioritize recovery. Robbie Ray at max effort is still throwing his bullpens. You hear them throughout the stadium yeah. at you know three o'clock p.m. on a Thursday afternoon at Rogers Center. That's how hard this guy's going in his bullpens. It is wild the durability and the way that he has held up through this. The results he has continued to get while throwing two pitches at max effort over seven. Yeah, I mean, honestly, with Cole's injury, he probably does become a Cy Young, you know, favorite at this point. A co-favorite at worst, maybe a favorite. And he he belongs there in that discussion. Absolutely. Hunjin Ryu had that one little 10-day blip on the IL, but otherwise has like gotten through some stuff. And Blue Jays also kind of snuck him a little bit of rest around the uh, around the All-Star break. They gave him a it was essentially an IL stint around the the All-Star break. They just didn't put him on, but like they've gotten him through the season and and he's been durable. Jose Barrios, one of the hallmarks of his career is durability. Alec Manoa has come up and he had a little slip fell on the stairs, a little back contusion, didn't miss that much time with it. Here he is, like at the end of the season, still making starts, still pitching effectively. A guy who, you know, coming into the year, looking at his historical workload, you might have thought, well, okay, maybe we'll get some starts out of him, but then they'll have to dial it back towards the end of the season or shift him to a bullpen role, kind of manage the workload. No, dude's still making starts. It's been great. I mean, so really what you end up with is a pitching staff where, you know, from a stress of the organization standpoint, it's hard to imagine that that pitching staff is causing them to lose a lot of sleep in the rotation. So then you get to the bullpen and it becomes more complicated because they are using Romano and Mesa very aggressively as they should. Simber and Richards, you know, you kind of do what you can with those guys and, and hope that it leads to a good outcome, which more often than not it has. And then you get to the question of Merriweather and Pearson and how they use those guys. And, you know, to me, Arden, over the course of the next few weeks here, what they can get out of Pearson and Merriweather is going to be a real variable in how they can do. And let's find out. Because like, enough with the baby, like enough with looking for soft entry points and like, oh, we want to get him into low leverage and see what happens. Let's find out, man. Let's put him into leverage right away nate pearson to me next outing should be in leverage in my opinion and i think his last outing should have been in leverage as well julian merriweather 
I'm throwing him right into leverage. Yeah. Enough. How often are you going to play with fire with like Trevor Richards doing his smoke and mirrors thing in the seventh and Adam Simber coming in in the eighth and like giving up a ton of contact with 86 mile an hour heaters? Like at, at a certain point, the Blue Jays are going to need some strikeouts and they're going to need some swing and miss ahead of Jordan Romano. How often are they going to keep pushing Romano on the back to backs and hey, can you get us four outs tonight? And hey, Tim Meza, who was just on the IL recently with elbow inflammation coming off of Tommy john surgery hey can you go back to back like tim mesa one of the best stories of the blue jays season minor league deal and has been andrew miller light essentially like great but let's get some more support in those late innings let's put pearson and merriweather into leverage immediately you got 24 games left let's find out if it's a disaster and it doesn't go well whatever you lived and died with the best stuff and with like the most like just imposing intimidating high velocity wipeout sliders and curveballs and in Merriweather's case like 20 mile an hour difference between fastball yeah. and changeup guys that you have out there I'm throwing them right in yeah it's all about winning those games and whatever gives you the best chance to do it yeah ego out the window like you know workload stuff and and what like out the window like forget it like just it's time to win and you got to put the guys who are going to have the best chance of helping you win on the field each night as it relates to third base how do you see that playing out ben on this roster right now you got what you got jake lamb you got kevin smith bravik valera and at buffalo you got kevin biggio how do you see this playing out going forward? It's a bit of a mess. It's a bit of a mess. Don't love the options. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. I, I think, you know, they've got so many great position players and so many positions where you just lock and load. Like you're thrilled with the production you get, you know, at so many spots. But yeah, third base to me is a mess. I don't see any good options here. I, I think, you know, basically when Espinal was around and he could give you that defense, okay, at least you're getting defense. When Kevin Biggio for the last two seasons was an above average hitter who could give you a solid game at third base defensively, great. Would be thrilled to see that version of Kevin Biggio, but he's hurt still. And so is Espinal. So, I mean, okay, Lamb, a guy who's kind of a platoon bat at this point in his career and hasn't really played that much third base. Or you can go to Kevin Smith, who, you know, frankly has looked overmatch, even though he's a good player, good prospect still. Bravik Valera, he's had some good moments, but. Uh, you know, I don't see him as a starting major league third baseman on a good team. So uh, it, to me, you mix and match. I don't see a, a, a solution here. If you could get Biggio going, that would be a solution. Yeah. But that's like a big if, just considering the season that he's had and like even how healthy he is now, right? Like he's been so banged up this year. He's had so many, so many issues. And he's, I'm sure he's still carrying like many, many of them. Like from Cap Biggio, it was like from day one of spring training where it was like, bang, he took a ball off his hand and like, boom, took another one off his like, remember his like fingers were all mangled in spring. And from that point forward, it has just been like one thing after another with him to like to the neck, to the back, to the whole deal. Right. So how healthy is he? I mean, you know, where, where's his swing at? Like, how is he looking Buffalo? That's going to be big. Look, if you get Kevin Biggio going, great. Like, let's throw him into this lineup. If if he doesn't get going, yeah, I mean, is your platoon like Jake Lamb and Kevin Smith? Yeah. Or is it Lamb and Valera? Yeah. Right? Like, I don't know, man. Do you have enough time to figure out who the hot hand is between those guys? Like, you don't want Jake Lamb against a lefty. 
at any time. Kevin Smith, like you said, yeah, has looked, you know, eyes have been a bit wide at the big leagues for the first time in his career. Like, great season. Triple-A Buffalo, but yeah, I don't know how much you're counting on from him. And Bravik Valeria just kind of is what he is. I don't know, man. Sometimes I come around to it and I'm like, maybe Bravik Valeria is the best of the bunch right now. Honestly, wow. which like, I know isn't saying a lot, but like of the of the options... Maybe Bravik Valeria is your guy. I don't, I don't know. know. He's also missed chances defensively. I don't love what I'm seeing with yeah. the glove there. Like, I think it's, and, and again, this goes back to how closely we watch this team. But, you know, there's some aspects of it where it's just, there's not a great answer. And I think Randall Gritchuk connects to that too, right? Like, in theory, at a time that George Springer is out, you would want Randall Gritchuk to be the guy who plays center field and gives you consistent at-bats with some power. But Gritchuk is not hitting at all like it's it's not good right now with the plate for Randall Gritchuk so what that means is they're basically using Corey Dickerson in center field a position he essentially hasn't played in six years because major league teams don't consider him a viable center fielder anymore yeah. so the Blue Jays are playing him there hoping for the best accepting the occasional miscue which by the way has happened because Gritchuk isn't hitting so this is the kind of situation you're bound to run into Good teams deal with this. Bad teams deal with it. It's part of baseball, but Gritchuk to me is another one of those question marks. As long as we're putting the lens in some of this stuff, like I no more Corey Dickerson leading off. Like we can we can just bump everybody else up, right? Sure. Like we can just go Simeon leads off, Vlad, Bo, Teoscar. Yeah. The rest. <laughs> like yeah. we could do that, right? I I understand like Charlie's thing has been, oh, I don't want to disrupt the rest of the lineup. There, I don't know what evidence there is that batting order position has any tangible impact on performance or that like not disrupting the lineup is like a reason to make a move like this. To me, the fact that the spot that has the like highest likelihood of seeing a late game plate appearance as the game goes on, a higher likelihood than Marcus Simeon, who is like the hottest hitter in baseball right now, than Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is like the best hitter in baseball right now is going to be Corey Dickerson slash Randall Gritchick if they bring in a lefty. Exactly. So that's going to be the spot that's coming back up late in the game. I don't want that. No bueno. So to me, like it's time to just remove that from the equation. Let Simeon lead off again. Vlad, Bo, Teoscar, that's your top four until George Springer is healthy enough to take DH plate appearances and then he can lead off. Yes, that makes sense, actually. (laughs) And, you know, you talk about disruptions. What about disrupting the starting pitcher? If I'm a starting pitcher for the Orioles or the Twins in the next couple of weeks and I look at the opposing lineup and I see Semi and Bo and Vlad and Teoscar, I'm feeling pretty disrupted. You know, that's not a good feeling. So I think that's something to keep in mind as well. Totally. What is going on with Randall Gritchick is another thing that like needs someone needs to get to the bottom of. It's so wild. Like you look at his like peripherals, walk rate is pretty steady, strikeout rate pretty steady. Like it seems like there is just and it this could actually be an optimistic thing where maybe he's just a small tweak away, but just seems like the contact is a little different on pitches in the zone. Seeing a lot of pop up contact like seeing him miss his pitch 
a lot on the plate. Like, so I do wonder if there is a very small adjustment to be made there that could like unlock him. But the thing is, I'm sure he's been trying to make that adjustment for some time now. And I mean, the Blue Jays have just like made it very clear in their deployment that they don't trust him in spots right now and that he is not going to be seeing regular playing time because he hasn't been. And there have been spots where it's like, you know, lefty's coming in and Corey Dickerson's coming up. And Corey Dickerson makes the plate appearance. Yeah, so exactly. Or Gerard Dyson is the one who pinch runs and goes to center field, right? right. You know, Grichuk isn't slow, and Dyson's faster. But I mean, they are prioritizing other players over Grichuk. Yeah, absolutely. So like, I you know, I, I wonder what's going on there. But like, when you look at at least the selectivity and the swing decisions, they seem to be consistent with what Randall Grichuk's been through his career. The contact is just different. And I, I don't know, I'm not a hitting coach. I'm not Dante Bichette. I don't know what it is that's that's going on behind that. But that seems to be sort of the fatal flaw for Randall Gritchick right now. Yeah, not a fatal flaw that you want to have to confront as a major league hitter because contact is key and he's not making much of it right now. <laughs> like you said off the top, it's, it's going to be a fun few weeks. No predicting what's going to happen with this team or really with any team in Major League Baseball. But I'm really intrigued to see where it leads. Who knows what we're going to be talking about next week. Like this Blue Jays season has just been like the most improbable thing vlad's season is somewhat improbable simeon's raise is is improbable like the good stuff is improbable and the really bad stuff has been really improbable as well so all i expect for the next week the next two the next three is the unexpected 100 so it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch his name's ben dixon smith my name's arden zwelling our producers are andrew norton and drew livingstone we thank you as always for listening we'll talk to you next time on at the letters